we're in a uh, series called The Harvest, and I'm just so excited about what God is doing and bringing people back to his heart. And so if you got your Bibles, you can open up to Luke 15. We're going to camp there at the beginning and the end, uh, and then we'll, we'll bounce around to some other verses. But that's our main text. And as you're turning there, I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak through your word today, that your spirit, God, would just arrest our hearts. God, bring us closer to your heart. And uh, give us a better understanding of grace and who you are, how good you are in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I do want to pray over this lady wearing pink. Yeah, can you just reach your hands to her? I don't mean to embarrass you by any means uh, at all. I just, I really think the Lord's going to bless you financially. I've only said this kind of word a few times over people. But I really feel like um, he's going to bless you. I see um, like silver earrings turned into gold earrings for some reason. And I just, I just see God is going to bring in so much provision to you. Uh, maybe you've even been worried about finances. And the Lord says, uh, <laughs> don't worry, be happy. And I want you to play that song in your head because he says, don't worry, be happy. I am your provider. Don't worry, be happy. This, the Lord says, this is my problem and I'm taking care of it. I'm going to provide for you everything you need in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. So this sermon, the subtitle is interesting. It's a little different. It comes from a prophecy from Isaiah. And then it was interesting. I found it in Revelation also. Come and drink without pay. Come and drink without pay. So before we read Luke 15, I want to set this up for just a moment. And I want to say something similar I've said many times before. But in case you're a guest here today or maybe you just need reminded, listen, the God who created heaven and earth, he's our father, the one we worshiped in song a little bit ago, he's passionate about you knowing him. He is passionate. He is in love with you. He's head over heels with you. His heart beats for you. He loves humanity so much, he calls us his special creation. When he created uh, the animals and all the, the creatures and the, and the plants and the sun and, you know, nothing else he made in his image. He made you. In his image. He put humans on the earth to resemble him. And we need reminded of this incredible truth. Let me repeat that. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, put humans on the earth. If you're a human, raise your hand. This is, this is an easy one. This is an easy one. You are made to represent the glory of God. I actually just sang about it from 1 Corinthians 3, 18 and, and 19, one of my favorite passages. We look upon his image. We are transformed from glory to glory. And God wants to restore your identity. I want to tell you, Jesus is the answer to the problem you're facing. So what did we say last week about the harvest? And if I could say the harvest party. We must come to the party thankful, not prideful. Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. Let's read Romans 6, 20, verse uh, 20 through 23. When you were slaves to sin, let's pause there. You see, we do things we don't want to do, and then we feel regret and remorse about what we did. And if you are honest, if you'll just slip your hand up, if that's ever been true of you, that you've done things you didn't want to do. Yeah, you said things you didn't want to say. Why? We're born into sin, especially before we come to Christ. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of self-preservation. There's a lot of, I want to uh, make myself feel good about this, so now I lie about that sin. 
and then you're in a trap, and then you're in a cycle, and things, it's, it's bad. So what happens when you're slave to that, and you keep sinning, you keep doing things that are harmful to yourself or to others, but what happened? When you accept Christ, you're free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things at which we are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. The end of sin is death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, right? So now you, you, you work and you serve the Lord, but the fruit you lead leads to sanctification. The fruit you get leads to sanctification. And its end is eternal life. How many is going to have eternal life, right? The wages of sin is death, and I'm sure this is the one you memorized, maybe if you grew up in church. But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, as humans, we are constantly on the search for satisfaction and approval. Let me say that again. We are constantly on the search for satisfaction and approval. From our boss, from our parents, maybe our spouse, we're restless until we find God. We're looking for love and affection. But it's a feeling, I know I say this a lot, but this, I want to say this, this is like the heart of my ministry, is this. It's a feeling only God can give you. And you can strive, 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 and you can work, and you can try to perform, and you can try to make this thing transactional. And the whole time Jesus is saying, would you just receive me? Would you just let me love you like Donna said? Would you just let me take care of you? Would you just let me love you? Today we're going to compare and contrast grace and the law, grace and religion. Look at Psalms 63 if you've got your Bibles, your Bible app. And I'll, we're going to read what David said about finding the Lord and lifting him up and how he's satisfied in knowing God. And again, in, in a little while here, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you don't know the Lord to come to the Lord and to receive the free gift of salvation. I have seen you in your sanctuary. I've gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Better than life. Have you guys ever heard that song from Remedy Drive, Better Than Life? It's so powerful. <laughs> Just, had a funny story. I, your pastor fights ADD. You guys realize that, right? We, our band opened for them one time, and he, he pulled his shirt off in the elevator. It was really strange. I was like, hey, that's kind of weird. But great event tonight. That added nothing to my sermon. I apologize for that. But I looked at him like, you can put your shirt on. Okay, here we go. <laughs> that was really strange. Rock bands are weird. I don't even know. All right. He says, delete that from the podcast. Hallelujah. He says, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you. Oh, think about this. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on your thoughts throughout the night. You guys realize meditation, it's been twisted in the last few years, but meditation is a beautiful thing. Meditation is not like the world would say now to empty your mind. No, the meditation he's talking about is filling your mind with the goodness of God. Thinking about him. That it's, it's, oh, I encourage you to read Psalms. Read Psalms, especially Psalms 1, right? And meditate on the goodness of the Lord. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. You see, David has no fear. He's not striving. He's not searching for approval. He's not afraid of what people will think of him. Why? Because being satisfied isn't about having something. It's about having someone. Jesus. Come on, let me say it again. Being satisfied, that searching in your heart is not about having something. It's about having someone. And his name is Jesus. 
come to the party and drink without pay. That's what Jesus says. He says it through the prophet Isaiah, and he says it again in Revelation. We're going to read that in a little bit. David found out what the disciples found out, what Mary Magdalene found out, prostitutes and paralytics, religious leaders and heretics, Christian killers like Paul and so many others. They found that the, the soul, the, the real part of them, their mind, will, and emotions, the part right here, everybody put your hand on your, on your chest. This part of you, come on, the real you is only satisfied when you come to Jesus. It's only satisfied. That's why you can win uh, the lottery. You can get that promotion at work. You can all of a sudden double your pay, and a month later you're just like, I have more fights than I used to have. I don't like, I, life is better, worse now than it was then. And, and suddenly you realize, what, there's still something missing. It's Jesus. You see, we are only satisfied when we receive grace. Everybody say Grace. And we come into relationship with Father God by surrendering our lives to his son, Jesus. And we rest in his love. This is the love that the Father puts within us. And it's a building and anticipation for the wedding feast of the Lamb. That's a perfect spot for an amen. Thank you, Happy. So let's try it again. You guys got to join him on this one. It's an anticipation for the wedding feast of the Lamb. Amen. It's an excitement for what we know is coming. He's put a ring on our finger. And he says, I'm committed to you. I'm going to my father's house. I'm going to build a place for me. It's, it, me and you, it's going to be an awesome. It's going to be like way better than MTV Cribs. There's my youth pastor days coming out. It's going to be beautiful. And me and you are going to enjoy that together. So are you resting in his love? Or like the Apostle Paul, he actually said, who has bewitched you that you began in grace and now you're trying to stay close to God through works? Are you resting in his love? Are you resting in his love? You see, there is joy. There is joy. There is rest for you. Look what he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened. Right? Come to me, you're stressed out, you're worried, you're trying to fill in all the gaps and make everything right and appease people here and there. And he says, look, you're stressed out, come to me. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And I love this, you will find rest for your soul. I'm telling you, church, one of my favorite attributes about the Lord is he provides rest. You know, rest, peace. I know some of you are interpreting that. You're like, yes, I love a good nap. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about a rest right here. You know, I don't think Jesus was ever in a hurry. I don't think he ran anywhere. Did he ran any, run anywhere, Pastor Andrew? I don't think. Jesus was at rest. He knew who he was. He's his father's. See, this, this series is called Harvest, and it's an invitation for you to know the one true God, and that is Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew 18, or Matthew 9, verse 35. Matthew 9, 35. And you can leave the bookmark in Luke 15. We'll be there in just a sec. Jesus went throughout the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. 
You guys know Jesus still heals, right? Still heals. Call upon his name. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Actually, can I share a healing story real quick? I'm just excited today. Is anybody else just feeling great? Come on. Listen, my friend Bob Toma, I call him every couple weeks, and he's been fighting cancer for a few years. Cancer was throughout his entire body. Listen, his doctor had told him that he should get his house in order. This is last year, that he wasn't going to make it. Now there's only cancer in one little spot, and his doctor says, you are a miracle. Come on. He said, you are a miracle. He literally, the doctor literally said, your recovery is unbelievable. How many knows Bob Toma is going to be right here in the sanctuary? He usually sits right here with Lana. There, he's going to be right in here worshiping with us soon. Amen? And when you see him, you better hug him. Come on. Here we go. When he saw the crowds, Jesus had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Like sheep without a shepherd. Fearful, stressed out, wandering, striving. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I'm going to talk more about that next week. But pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And what you'll find is that as you've been following Christ, once you accept Christ, after a while he starts to speak to you, speak to you and say, hey, you're one of the laborers. I want to partner with you. We're going to make disciples together. And it's going to be powerful. You know what I just realized? I left my sermon illustration right behind those double doors. <laughs> because I had to lead worship today. Would you grab it, Pastor Andrew? Thank you. And if it's not there, it's like a game show. You just go to these double doors. Because I know it's behind one of them. I know you're all going to stare at them anyway. I was going to keep preaching, but just stare at them because that's what you do. I've preached long. Are they there? You picked the wrong doors. There's actually a tiger behind that door. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Winner. Give not Andrew a hand. You can come back. There's actually a raging bear behind the door. Oh, thank you. Wow, you're great. All right. Give him a hand. I gave this illustration a few years ago, and as I was re rewriting my sermon and reviewing it, I felt like uh, the Lord just said, you know what, you can give it again. It's okay. I, I, I want to illustrate to you how clearly this represents grace. All right? I was preaching to the teens about eight, nine years ago, and the Lord dropped this in my spirit while I was preaching, and I think I'll use it till my funeral. So this is grace. Everybody say grace. The Holy Spirit, he ties a rope to this, and he throws it out to you. And here's the thing. You're headed for the rapids. You're headed for the waterfall. You are fighting against the current, but it's not working. So he throws you grace. And what you don't do is say, can you hold on a second? I got to get my act together. If I could just call my spouse, if I could call my boss. No, you grab on. How many say you grab on? Okay, you grab on. You're saved. And guess what the Holy Spirit does? He keeps pulling you towards him. And then when you get to heaven, you're fully saved. That's why Paul says, I'm saved. Three verses later, he says, I'm being saved. And then later he says, and on that day when I am saved. Because you're saved. Great, you do nothing. Now, here's the thing. What a lot of people do is they, they take religion. So, 
Holy Spirit throws them grace and they say, no, I'll just keep kicking. It's okay. I've got a lot of leg sores, but I'm going to keep kicking. You can kick all you want. It's not going to help. Now you can kick once you serve, once you get this, sure, kick along. God wants you to obey his word and obedience is now a byproduct, not a prerequisite. Obedience and, and doing the will of the Lord, the law of the Lord now is motivated by gratitude because you got grace, come on. You're so thankful. So you're like, yeah, I'll kick along too. We're in this together and he's pulling you to shore. But religion is when you kick and kick and kick and you actually get mad at the people who grab the, the grace. We'll talk about that in a minute. All right. I've met those people. Some of you are like, oh, it's my wife. No, don't do that. Here we go. Nobody, nobody touch your neighbor. This is not one of those sermons. <laughs> actually, it never is. Don't ever do that. All right, here we go. Luke 15. Luke 15. I've seen people do that, by the way. Preaching is really funny. I've seen people go. It's usually the wife to the husband, which is hilarious. But anyway, Luke 15. Jesus tells a story. There was a man who had two sons. Now, by the way, if you say, I already know this story, please don't tune out. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. How many of you guys will let the Holy Spirit speak to you? Even if you know the story. Here we go. A man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, just give me my share of the property that's coming to me. And the father divided his property between them. Now, by the way, that's one verse, but you've got to realize how insulting that is. Because the younger son is saying, hey, you might as well be dead because I just want my inheritance. How many would say, that's a punk. Come on, he needs, needs a good butt whooping. Can I get a little discipline? Amen in the house. Okay. I know, some of you are like, I don't believe in discipline. Everybody gets a ribbon. That's why your child's a mess. All right, anyway. Sorry, that's another sermon. That's another sermon. Sorry. I got that from Mark Beal. Dude, you should have grown up in my house. You ain't in the car. You better. You're missing the game, son. Learn a lesson. Sometimes he just hit me for no reason. No, I'm just kidding. He did not. I'm kidding. Delete that. Delete that. He's like, I'm sure you did something today. No, he... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That did not happen. It's a great dad. Awesome. Here we go. So he went. So the man, so the young boy hired himself out to one of the, oh, I've skipped a spot. Here we go. Verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had. He took a, went on a long journey to a far country. And there he squandered all of his money in reckless living. All right. Another translation says on uh, women and pleasure and, and all this stuff. And he went and he spent everything, but then a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens in that country, and he sent him to work in the fields with the pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. And when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have it better than I do? They have enough bread. But here I am dying of hunger. I will rise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as a servant. Oh, man, we're going to come back to that. There's, there's gold right there in that line. Treat me as a servant. And he came and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. Let me tell you, the only way your father can see you, even though you're long off, is because he's looking for you. Every day he's pacing, he says, is this the day my son's coming home? He's looking for you. He loves you. 
And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. But the father said, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit speaking right now. Listen to this. Put a ring on his hand. The identity of the family, right? A ring on his hand. Put shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for my son was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Therefore, they began to celebrate. Come on, everybody say celebrate. Come on, everybody say celebrate. Good times, come on. All right, here we go. Now his older brother was in the field and he's folding his hands. Everybody just fold your hands. All right. He came near and he drew near the house. He heard the party. He called one of the servants, asked, what do these things mean? Why are you guys partying? He said, well, your brother has come back and your father killed a fatted calf because he received him out or because he received him safe and sound. But he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his dad, look at all these years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command. That's somebody who's deceived by religion is they think they've never sinned. I've never, I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I can celebrate with all my friends. But when this son of yours who devoured all of your money with prostitutes, you throw him a party. And he said, son, you are always with me. All that is mine is already yours. It was fitting to celebrate and to be glad for your your son or your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now he's found. Jesus so clearly illustrates the gospel in telling us a parable. Now, by the way, you got to understand the older brother and the prodigal son need the gospel. The older brother and the prodigal son Need saved. Both need the grace of their father, but the older son has deceived himself into believing he earns his role in the father's house. I want to point out something, guys. I have read this scripture. I have preached on this passage probably 10 times to teenagers and adults, and I never saw this until this week. Don't you love the layers in the scripture? Come on, I love the layers in the scripture, how the Holy Spirit will just highlight a little word or a little line. Don't miss this. Both worked. Both were motivated to work for different reasons. He said, oh, let me just come home to my father. Just treat me like a servant. I'll work hard for you because I'm so thankful for you. The other one said, I'm going to work to achieve my father, all these years I have worked. See? You're, listen, our obedience, our surrender to do the right thing, to treat people right, to forgive, to, um, to abstain from sin, to, to do whatever the law is in the law, Right? And you can look at the Ten Commandments, or you can look at the Sermon on the Mount, and you can see what I mean by the law, the right thing to do. Those things are not a prerequisite to salvation. They're an outflow of salvation. That's what the gospel is. That's what makes grace both beautiful and offensive. Because it offends the person who's still trying to prove themselves. And if you're constantly offended, 
you're the older brother. If you're constantly in a state of offense, celebrate good times, come on. I'll sing another song. Let it go, let it go, hold it back anymore. I heard that song for eight years on a loop. I almost went insane, y'all. I almost bought myself a white jacket and ran into a brick wall. Has anybody else got kids and they just play the song? How about the sequel? That theme song, I was like, oh, over and over, same two notes, half step apart, killed me for days. You can be mad, you can be offended, you can say, well, you didn't do this for me, pastor walked right by me and didn't hug me. I was gone for three weeks and no one called me. <laughs> no? Right? But this is what we do. They never threw me a party. That's because you forgot you are the prodigal. I'm the prodigal. We're all the prodigal. All have fallen short. All. Ever say all. But listen to this. All of us have been given the Father's blessing. What? You see, religion is when you work for what the Father has already given you. Grace is receiving the blessing of the Father. That's why the prophet Isaiah says, come, drink without pay. Come, drink without pay. Jesus repeats this. In Revelation, we'll go there in just a moment. I want to compare and compass grace and religion for a moment. Grace forgives you, the law accuses you. Now, by the way, the law, yes, it was given by God to Moses, but it has three purposes. Number one, to reveal the righteousness of God. Number two, to reveal our need for righteousness, our shortcoming of his perfection. And number three, to give us a sign for the coming Savior, that we need a Savior. Okay, so the law has a good purpose. It shows us the holiness of God. But when we hang on to the law and we cling to the law and we say, I have to have the law and you have to have the law of Moses, what happens is, or even the laws that you might make up for yourself today, you end up in a constant state of offense, striving and pushing others down. And it's a bad thing. Here we go. Grace forgives you. The law accuses you. Grace empowers you when you don't deserve it. Anybody ever been empowered when you don't deserve it? Come on. Religion pushes you down. Grace teaches you to lift others up. Religion tells you to push others down so you can be lifted up. Grace looks for who's to heal. Religion looks for who's to blame. Grace looks for potential. Religion looks for criminal record. Who sinned? Who? Grace celebrates. Religion humiliates. Grace forgives. Religion holds on. Grace says, come on in. Religion says, stay out. Right? The law of Moses, again, what did the Old Testament do? It showed us our need for God. And it showed us his righteousness. And it gave us a sign for a coming Savior. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, because Jesus knows who's in every crowd. And there might be some of you here today or someone online who says, well, Pastor Jordan, I'm a really good person. No, I'm a really good person. I never lie, and I, I was a Boy Scout, Eagle Scout, 
I was a scout, everything. Will you go? Because here's what the Bible tells me, though. James 2.10, whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So, sir, ma'am, I know. You think you have your act all together. But the problem is you have sinned and I have sinned. You've done things with a selfish motive or you've pushed somebody down to get ahead or you've done and if you really let the lord be honest you know teach you to be honest with yourself and you let him look in your heart there there's sin in it so jesus comes on the scene and he says look just receive my grace let me forgive you let me give you righteousness listen you don't have to be perfect to go to heaven you have to be humble to go to heaven the harvest party is for the humble not the deserving and humility when you sin and you realize it, you repent, and by the way, you're in a constant need of grace, in a constant need of the gospel, a constant need of the gospel. I want to skip to Revelation here, 21. I want you to listen to this. This is so powerful. This is Jesus. Listen to what he says. Listen to this invitation. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires to take the water of life come without price. Come and drink without pay. Look what he's saying. Drink in it. Rest in it. His grace, his goodness. Skip down to verse 22. I saw no temple in the city. This is the city of God. For its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. The city had no need of sun or moon to shine in it. For the glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the Lamb. That's Jesus. By its light, the nations walk and the kings of the earth bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut. By day, there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. How many guys have your name written in the Lamb's book of life? We're going to put some music on, and we're going to give you an opportunity to give you to receive Jesus in just a moment. I want you to listen to this. Just listen to him describe the river of life. The angel of the Lord showed me a river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city also on either side of the river was the tree of life and its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit in each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Oh, man. No longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. Guys, we're going to worship Jesus. We're going to worship Jesus for all of eternity. And there's a tree of life bearing fruit. Just picture, just close your eyes for a minute. And let, the, let the Holy Spirit anoint your imagination. Picture this. 
There's a river flowing from the throne of God where Jesus is seated at the right hand. It's crystal clear. There's a tree on either side of it, which tells me it's like over it. There's roots on the left and roots on the right. Wow, one tree of life. Its leaves alone provides healing for all the nations. There's no accursed there. There's no curse of sin. Guys, there's no cancer there. There's no COVID-19 there. There's no depression there. It's perfect. Can you picture this? This is what he's inviting you to. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. His name will be on their foreheads. You know you are sealed with Jesus Christ. Stop being so worried about the mark of the beast that you forgot about the seal of the Christ. You are sealed with Jesus. There's no need for a light or a lamp for the Lord himself is their light and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what is about to take place. Behold, I am coming soon. And I'm asking you today, are you thirsty for that? Are you thirsty with G for Jesus Christ? For the, the only thing, the only person that can satisfy you on the inside. And I wanna ask two groups of people today, because maybe you're far from God and you were invited to church and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. And maybe you say, I know I've blown it, blown it, I'm like the prodigal son. I've been rude, uh, you know, just like the prodigal son. I, I, told, I told my parents this and that and I ran and no, you know that's you, you know your need for God. Maybe that's you right now. You know you've sinned and fallen short and you know you need what's being offered to you. I, wanna, I have good news for you. That's why it's called good news. You don't have to do anything to, to come. You don't have to do anything to take part in this party that Jesus is throwing. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to have the right spiritual pedigree, the right parents, the right education, the right background. You just say yes. I need forgiven of my sin. And you reach out and you grab that lifesaver. And you say, thank you for that grace. If that's you and you've never received Jesus, I wanna be clear, you've never received Jesus. Can you raise your hand? And I'm gonna pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Speak Holy Spirit give you just another minute. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to ask if lately you have had a hard time celebrating and the older brother syndrome is kind of creeping in. Find it real easy to accuse people, find blame. You see, the level of this revelation of God's grace, it's linked to how easily you can celebrate somebody else's victory. If 
you see somebody else's victory in person or online and you think, oh, it never happens to me, I have news for you. The older brother syndrome is sinking in. But if you see somebody else's victory and you instantly think, yes, thank God, congratulations, and you join the party, then you're receiving grace. You're walking in grace. So I want to ask you, with all your heads bowed, I'm not going to ask you to come up. It's between you and the Lord. But just slip your hand up and just say, you know what? I've been kind of an older brother lately. You just slip your hand up real quick. Just you and the Lord. Yeah. Quite a few of you. Listen, can I tell you what? I've been there. Can everybody just look right here? We've all been there, if we're honest. And you see, the early church had this same problem. That's why Paul literally says, who bewitched you? Who, who came to you? And one translation even says, like, it's like this spell. It's like this false, it's this false thinking that got into your head that you earned your way into the family. You know, I had someone send me a beautiful testimony this last week. And she said, I want to thank you so much because my son who's dealt with this and that and this and that was so welcomed into your church. Despite how he looks in his background, everybody befriended him. Can we just praise God for that? That's the most beautiful testimony I could ever hear as your pastor. And that's what the gospel's all about. Because the ground really is level at the foot of the cross. And the more you walk in grace, the more you're so excited. No matter who, it doesn't matter. Anybody who comes to Jesus, anybody that you see an answer to prayer in their life, you are so excited. Why? Because grace has gripped your heart. And you're so thankful that they're experiencing the goodness of God. And I know a lot of us raised our hands. So can we maybe make this corporate? Can we all stand up? Can we just reach up our hands to heaven and just make this a, a, a corporate prayer? Maybe pray this with me. Holy Spirit, forgive me if lately I've been like the older brother, had a hard time celebrating, and I was all focused on who did what wrong. Fix my eyes on you, your goodness, your power to save, your love, your power to heal. Jesus, live your life through me. Make me hidden in Christ again. Hidden in Christ again. make this as practical as possible. Say, God, when I'm at the store and I'm in line, help me to see who needs prayer. Help me to see who needs love. Help me to ignore the blame game. I'll say it again. Help me to ignore the blame game. Help me to rise above that, to live higher where you live. I'm seated with you in heavenly places, and I see people the way you see them. 
totally loved, totally known, but totally loved. If God's speaking to you, would you just put your hand on your chest right now and just thank him? Jesus, thank you. Just thank you, Jesus. You know, in my mind's eye, if I could just share what I see, I'm a real visual person, my personality, and I, I see like a compass, and it's like a lot of us were like five degrees off. You love the Lord. You, you totally love the Lord. But it's like lately you just were a little off and you're thinking too much like that. But come on, that's not the real you. The real you has been transformed by grace. And lately in the last week or two, maybe you're playing the blame game. Maybe you were holding on to something your aunt said or your sister said and, you're, and, you, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, hey, true north, true north, is just loving them, all love, all the time. Whoever is in front of you, you're loving them. Whoever is in front of you, you're loving them. You see, can I tell you something? I see some of you at the grocery store or at the gym, and it's almost like I can see you dazing off and missing the people in front of you. If you have an older brother mentality, you will have somebody who needs the gospel right in front of you and you'll miss them. Because you'll be thinking you're still mad at so-and-so and you're zoned out. And here they're right in front of you, waiting for hope, waiting for the gospel, waiting for you to say, hey, can I pray with you? Is there something that's stressing you out, wearing on your heart? I, I'm a Christian, I would love to pray for you. And you can miss that opportunity if your mind is elsewhere, right? So can we just respond to that? God, we just ask you that if, if our hearts have been, um, Lord, elsewhere and, and taken in that, God, help us to, to see people the way you see them, to love whoever is in front of us right in that moment, God, to, to invite people in, to pray with them. Lord, to live with that mindset that we have been forgiven of so much and you have thrown a party and we are so grateful. We love you. If you love them, just say we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Hey, thanks for worshiping today. Isn't what a great day together. High five or hug a couple people and we will see you next week.